Welcome back to the Generous Life Podcast. My name is Eddie Copeland, and today you have the privilege of hearing from my colleague, Brad Schmidt, who leads our Equip Vertical, who's also a local pastor, sitting down with Jimmy Dodd, president and CEO of PastorServe, one of the largest pastoral care agencies in the country. We had him in town for our recent Soul Care One Day event. Brad Schmidt uh, has a conversation, not from necessarily his Equip Vertical, but as a local pastor speaking to a national ministry leader about what soul care looks like in and through the life of a pastor. So today's a very special lens into that, and I think you'll enjoy this conversation. Jimmy, thanks for being with us today. Hey, it's great to be here. Now, I heard you have just gotten back from a sabbatical. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm just stepping back into the ministry water. So yours is the first face I'm seeing. So oh, really? It's a little, I, I am so sorry. A little frightening, a little awkward, but well, I do, I'm teasing. I, I do have a face for podcasting. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, how was your sabbatical? You know what? It was good. It yeah. was good. There, there, there was a lot of great family time. Uh, probably the best thing I did as far as ministry that kind of ties in, I think, with this conversation is that I went to a Catholic retreat center and had four days of silence. Oh, my goodness. And that, that was really powerful. I've never done anything like that. Uh, I think one time I went uh, like 40 minutes without talking. That's probably the longest in my life. And, you know, everybody was like, you can't do this. It's you. There's no way. Was but, it hard? Yeah, it was hard. It was really hard, especially mealtime, because I'm there with a with with a big group of people, and at meals you're it's silence. You're not talking, and um, so you know to not talk means I hope that you can really listen well. And it was a wonderful time of just listening yeah. and just trying to hear hear from God and uh, spend a lot of time in His Word and just read some good books. And it was a wonderful time where I thought, I think I'm probably listening in these four days probably better than I have in a long time. Wow. How long did it take before you felt like, oh, this is working? That's a great question. It started on Thursday, um, probably Saturday morning. I thought, okay, I'm listening. I mean, like wow. I hated Friday. It was like, what the heck am I doing here? This is craziness. You're just detoxing. Yeah. Oh right? yeah. Yeah. From all the noise in your life. Exactly. The thoughts. Yeah, yeah, being alone with yourself. And are you an extrovert or an introvert? Very much an extrovert. Yeah, yeah. okay. But it was some great walks, and great. it was at a phenomenal facility. Yeah. Some great grounds and uh, amazing place to walk and just to contemplate. So that that was a real highlight for me. Well, welcome back. Thank you. Yeah, and so we're actually here today at a soul care experience here in Boca Raton, Florida, Yeah. Uh, called Backstage, right, where we're talking about the uh, the backstage life of the leader. And um, I th I wanted to just kind of dive in a little bit to the work you do. You represent an organization called Pastor Serve. So a lot of the work you do is around this idea of soul care. And that's what you're, I know you're doing a keynote later today, and you're going to be talking about soul care. Uh, can you help define for us what is soul care? Yeah, there's there are, I mean, there are so many broad, broad definitions. I think that it really is to take care of the backstage of somebody's life. I I mean I, I mean I think it's very very simple. I think that we are very much obsessed with the front stage. We're very much uh, you know just obsessed with the numbers and the growth and does everybody like me? But I think that there's a backstage of our soul. Uh, that we have huge fears that I can't be honest with you about my backstage. I can't tell you about it because if you really knew me, you know what, you wouldn't like me, which I think is a great lie from Satan. I think that Satan lies 
to us uh, a lot on our backstage. Mm. Um, and I think that oftentimes that we just believe those lies. I think that Satan has a very small toolbox and his yeah. main tool is he whispers lies in our ears. And I think that we oftentimes, we just, you know, we just, you believe those lies, yeah. you, but, but the backstage is those deep places of our heart that we oftentimes don't go that we have to talk about how we are with Jesus. We have to talk about our marriage. We have to talk about our walk with the Lord. We have to talk about our thought life. We have to talk about things that make us uncomfortable. You know, that there are sins that I think that we confess, that we feel like, well, I can confess this sin because pretty much everybody confesses a sin. So yeah. I can confess, you know, jealousy and sometimes I have a temper and then on and on. And, yeah. you know, and I confess lust. That's a little bit more awkward. But I think that when you get real down in my soul, it's like, you know what? I confess to you envy, mm. which is one of those souls, uh, which is a sin that's almost embarrassing because it's like, wow, that kind of means that I not only want what you have, I want you to stop having what you it have. It means it's an admittance that I'm I'm actually radically insecure. Oh, massively which, insecure. Yeah. So it's like, okay, uh, I want to confess that I struggle with envy. Yeah. That I not only want what other people have, I want them to stop having it. I want to pass them. It's like, oh my gosh, how small yeah. is my heart? But once you get down to really talking about that and processing those things with those friends and those people that walk with you in life, that's soul care. Yeah, That's real soul care where you can really yeah. process in those deepest places that we so often don't go because because of fear. You mentioned the lies of the evil one. What are those unique lies that pastors are hearing on a regular basis that they really need to look out for and get attuned to how to respond to them, how to deal with them? What are some of those lies? That's a great question. Um, and, and I hear lies all the time from pastors. And I think that a huge, huge one I hear is, for all you do for the church and for, for the kingdom, you deserve this sin. Ugh. You know what? You know what? It's okay. You you deserve this because you do so much for me. That was like the Ravi Zacharias lie. You know, for all I do for the kingdom, I'm able to do all of these other crazy things, and that's 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 how he justified. That's how a lot of pastors, and not just pastors. I mean, ministry leaders, and and I mean, like anybody. That's how we justify things. Gosh, for all I do for God and for 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 His kingdom, and then Satan comes to us in the dark of night and says, you know what? You married the wrong girl. You married the wrong guy. You know what? Your high school sweetheart could have fulfilled every fantasy. You know what? You married the wrong person. It's like, oh, Lord, that's that's a lie straight from the pit of hell. God, help me to close my ears to yeah. those crazy lies. And then there's things like you're stupid and you're not talented and you're never going to be able to do this. Um, I, I have met with pastors that have very common struggles, and yet they have you believed a lie you're the only pastor in the world struggling with this sin. You you should be humiliated. And it just reminds me, the main job of Satan is not to tempt us. The main job of Satan is to is is to just is to just accuse us. Yeah. And we are accused, which leads to shame and to guilt and to hiding and to posing and pretending, and that just spirals down. And that's where when we get into a really dark place. Yeah. Even as you're describing that, the word that came to mind is narcissism. Yeah. Do you see, how do you, can you, what do you think of that term related to pastors? Are you seeing a lot of that? Just, you were talking about this kind of 
grandiose idea about yourself, an inflated view of self, is that narcissism? Is narcissism a particular um, sin for pastors? I mean, listen, I'm a pastor. I mean, I picked a profession in which I voluntarily stand up in front of people every single week to deliver a talk that people have to receive and listen to, like... Are you finding is there narcissism in the pastoral world, and and how do you relate to that? Yeah, pastor serve. Oh yeah, because the, because I think that there's a concern with what people think about me, and so much of the focus and attention is is me, and it's it's really really interesting. Last night, I'm hungry and I'm tired, and I'm thinking, okay, I want to stop and grab something very quickly, so I stop off at the Buffalo Wild Wings. And they have this new place here, and it's actually just, I mean, like, it's really, really small. It's just a carry-on. So I walk in, and I'm thinking, I'm hungry. It's about me. Ba ba ba. So I order. And this really nice gal is behind the counter, and she walks away and then comes back. And as she comes back, I notice she has on an ankle monitor. I'm thinking, okay, she's obviously done something. She's obviously... I don't know if she's gone to jail or something, but she's obviously out right now, but she has on a, and I just thought, okay, you know what? I'm hungry. I'm tired, but you know what though? Focus on her for just a little bit and encourage her and do something to encourage her and give her a special tip on top of the check. And, and so it was just, it was a great way just to turn. Okay. It's, it's, it's not about me, but here's a person. I don't have any clue about her story, but she obviously has a story. If you have on an ankle monitor, you have a story. But just a chance that, Lord, let me not focus on myself and my own needs. Let me look to her. And so that drives me, I mean, I mean, I mean, like in that moment, out of my narcissism in that moment to say, okay, here, here's this other person that just has this need. But at times I think we have to be jolted out of our narcissism because it's so much about us. And it's it's not about us. Yeah. It's and it's just, you know, constantly going back to, okay, Lord, let me let me pray prayer every morning. Let me pray John 120. I am not the Christ. Mm, <laughs> it's a yeah. great prayer. I am not the Christ. Yeah. Um, and I just have to constantly remind myself, it's 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 not me. Yeah. It's not me that's gonna fix people's lives. It's not me that's gonna, you know, actually dictate these things. That's that's going to be Jesus. That's his job. And I'm just along for the ride. And that's a constant thing I have to remind myself. Yeah. The best pastors that are doing soul care, what are you seeing are some of those best rhythms, habits, uh, things they're instituting in their lives that are working and helping them win yeah. in this area? Yeah. That's, it's, that there's a very, very easy answer to that. They're very intentional. They're intentional about what they do. It doesn't just kind of happen all of a sudden. It's not just, well, I really don't have any plan, but this just just naturally happens. No, they're very, very intentional. Um, I mean, like if they're on a church staff, that they're going to have, you know, they're going to have a bunch of days for like their staff of soul care days. I was just with, with the church in Branson, Missouri, and they're very intentional to have days of soul care just to care for their staff. And they just structure it so well that they have times where they'll be be away. They're going to have times to be away on retreats. They're going to have time to be quiet and to think. They're going to really, really learn to enjoy solitude and silence. I mean, they're very intentional about these things. And so it's each 
day they're going to have a plan. Each week they're going to have a plan. Each month they're going to have a plan. And each month they might have, uh, you know, one day that they're going to be actually away alone just to think and to pray and just contemplate. Uh, but they're very, very intentional. And they have a plan for these are the things I do to care for my soul, that they have friends that they have deputized to be like essentially Nathans in their life. Mm-hmm. You know, because you don't want everybody to say, hey, man, I see blind spots in you. That gets really awkward if there's, Correct. you know, you know, scores of people that say that. But but if you have some really close friends, if I say, man, you know what, Brad, we're really, really close. And I know because we kind of work together every day that you're going to see some things in my life. You're going to see some blind spots. And you know what? I need you to point those things out mm-hmm. because they're blind spots and I can't see them. I find that you're very, very intentional to have maybe two to three friends and not your spouse because your spouse will probably do that very naturally. Sure. But you have some friends that say, listen, I need you to help me see these blind spots. So it's a very, very intentional plan of action that you have to do soul care. Yeah. Are you finding that a lot of pastors are isolated? They don't have those relationships the lon- and the loneliness factor, which breeds all kinds of sins and temptations, um, are you sensing that, no, pastors tend to have access to those relationships? Uh, no, no, no. I think okay. that there, you know, I think that there's a lot of pastors that are surrounded by people yeah. and they're completely isolated. Yeah. Um, and, and I was on staff at a church back, 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 back in the 80s. And it was the big church in America. It was the Happening Church. It was the Growing Church. And we had the big pastor, Gordon McDonald, mm-hmm. uh, who everybody loved. And um, the thing that became very clear after his fall was, wow, he was completely isolated. We all thought that we were very close to Gordon. Yeah. And we assumed that there were some some other staff members that were really, really close to him. So he has this fall, and we meet as a staff. It's like, Steve, I thought you were walking with Gordon. And he was like, Dude, you know, I mean, like, I thought Dan was walking, and Dan says, I thought George, and it's like, okay, it's very, very clear. He was surrounded by people, but he was completely isolated. And I think that there's a lot of pastors, and and they're they're very isolated, and it's fear. It's the fear of, okay, to not be isolated means I will be really honest with some people. Yeah. And I have a fear of being honest with people, so I really don't want to have a coach I really don't want to have a counselor. I really don't want to talk with a mentor in my life. And I really don't want to have friends that are so close that they can say, hey, you know, that you know that there are some blind spots yeah. and they're completely isolated. And that's that's it's very common. Yeah. It's 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 very common for especially large church pastors mm-hmm. that kind of feel like, well, I've gotten to the point where, you know what, I'm kind of a big deal. And I don't really have to have those roles and relationships. And we know that those people are ripe for a major fall. Yeah. It's that, it's the temptation of being loved, but not known. Oh yeah. Like pastors and ministry leaders naturally default into that. Yeah. And you know, my definition, I don't know what your working definition of like the the whole wholeness or or the healed soul, Mm. but one way I go about it is thinking about being known and loved. Yeah. Right. And, you know, to be known and, and not loved is awful. Yeah. But to be loved and not known is awful it's a, right. as well. And I've always found, I want to get your thoughts on this. You know, my theory is that pastors and ministry leaders lead very spiritually dynamic lives. Mm. And it's very binary. I think ministry either makes you a better Christian or a worse Christian. Yeah. 
because it is so easy to be loved but not known because people a great great sermon pastor you're doing the work of the lord pastor and it's it makes you want to hide a little bit right. you know you don't want to tell the truth because you you feed off of that adrenaline you get but in the other sense i feel like ministry can make you an incredible christian <laughs> because right. because when your words and your actions are aligning when your public stage and your private or the front stage and the backstage are aligned it's a really spiritually dynamic life. Do you find that it's that binary um, or are you seeing yeah. other ways to think about it, other layers in between? Yeah. You, you know what? I think that the church uh, very, very oftentimes, I think that they feed this uh, because I talk to so many, you know, who say, gosh, I went to this church conference and it was a wonderful conference. And I heard this speaker, they were absolutely incredible. I love that person. Gosh, they were so dynamic. They changed my life. Um, and I think the spirit did a work in my life, and I think I want to be different. And I say, okay, let's let's take everything you said and break that down. Okay, you went to this conference, God used it, and the spirit spoke to you, and your life has changed. That's awesome. You also said you love the speaker, that they're awesome, that they're incredible. Interesting. Yeah. What what do you know about that person? You <laughs> yeah. don't know anything about yeah. them. You you made all these judgments about their backstage based upon their front stage. Yeah. You know nothing about them. You don't know how they treat their spouse. You don't know how they treat their children. You don't know how they spend their money. You don't know if they're generous. You don't know if they're a narcissist. You know nothing about them, and yet you made all these judgments. And I think that we feed that. We feed the monster yeah. because we make these assumptions, and it's like, stop stop making assumptions. Yeah. Stop making assumptions about the backstage. Mm. But we do that so often. And even worse is... When we begin to learn a little bit about the backstage, we learn it's a little bit dirty and messy, but the church is going so well and growing so fast that we begin to, I mean, we turn a blind eye to it. Now, we we do this every day mm -hmm. in lots of other parts of our life. I mean, we're about to start up, I mean, like the very important time of year. Yeah, It's the football season. And it's like, yeah, I, I know that guy beats his wife, but... Gosh, he's a tremendous yeah. receiver. We're so yeah. glad he's on our team. And I love that guy. He's like, yeah. really? Really? And so, I mean, we we turn a blind eye to so much junk, so much junk in their lives because they do so much good for us on the field. And I think that that begins to creep in to at times, I think, ministry in the church because I hear, yeah, you know what? Yeah, there's some big issues, but the church is growing so fast and we don't want to rock the boat. And you just want to just grab somebody and say, really? Wow. I mean, like if we gotten to that point, but I think that we are at that point so often. So, so I think that we feed that and we have to be so careful not to feed that. So I'm a parishioner in a church, let's say, and, um, you know, there's a great pastor up there and he's doing the Lord's work and the sermons are seen to be on point. How, how, how does a congregation actually help and not hurt the situation. How can a congregation actually further the the growth of soul care in the life of a pastor? How do we not feed the beast? <laughs> right? Yeah. Here's here's the worst answer in the world, and I hate this answer, but 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 I'll just say it. I wrote a book on this very thing. It's called Pastors Are People Too, and it's how to train the church and how to care for their pastor to do exactly that. Because I because it's a long answer, yeah. and so I thought, gosh, how can I help people understand that? So actually, I have a book. 
uh, where you can buy, buy actually anywhere. It's just called Pastors are People Too. And yeah. it's not for the pastor. It's, it's for, for the, the church to help them understand these are some ways that you can really practically care for, you You know, just for, for your pastors and your ministry leaders. Love it. Love it. Last question for you. Um, you're here in South Florida. You've been uh, blessing Church United for a number of years, helping pastors in South Florida do soul care with one another in community. What are your observations about South Florida? What are, you, what are your observations about the just the ecosystem of pastors that's here as you've worked with them? Um, any encouragement for us? Yeah. And if you need I'm, to slap I'm, us, go ahead and slap I'm, us. I'm so, so, I'm so glad you asked that question because I have a chance to be in uh, lots and lots of networks around America. And so I'm, um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things I'm on the road a lot. And so I work with lots and lots of networks. And I would say uh, that the network up in Portland and then here are the two top networks I have seen anywhere. I mean, like in the country, this is a very special place. And I love Church United and what you're doing. It's rare. It's unusual. There's a spirit of cooperation here that you just don't find most places. But I think that it's really being strongly driven uh, just by some strong leaders that are very much about collaboration, very much about the kingdom, very much about they don't care whose name is up there, but they want to do everything they can to raise the church and to serve pastors, to help them in their backstage, also their front stage, but to really serve their backstage. And I think God is using work here in an um, amazing, unprecedented way that I hope really spreads across the country. Beautiful. Thanks for that encouragement. Yeah. And Jimmy, thank you for being with us today. Uh, thank you for um, coming off of your sabbatical and just uh, coming in hot and adding value the way you have no. today. I think uh, this conversation is going to encourage a lot of pastors and congregations to really understand the spiritual dynamics of being a leader in ministry. And I love the name of your book, Pastors Are People too. So um, people go out and buy that book. And Jimmy, thank you so much for being with us. Hey, thank you so much. It's a joy to be with you. I hope you enjoyed that incredible conversation with Brad and Jimmy as we got a practical look at like how can we in the pews and people uh, in our church communities best care for pastors and ministry leaders that they're engaged with. If you'd like to learn more or heard something that piqued your interest, visit our website on the Church United vertical, churchunitedfl.com and navigate over to the Soul Care tab where you can learn all about what God is busy doing uh, in and through this vertical as we care for pastors and ministry leaders. I'd like to take a special shout out to say thank you for Brad and for Jimmy for joining us for this as uh, he covered for me uh, as we hosted that one day event. Thank you, Brad. Thanks, Jimmy. I missed you guys, but I'm sure you all were blessed by it.